Welcome. You are listening to sermon audio from Day 3 Church in Granite Falls, North Carolina. We invite you to join us online or in person for one of our services. For more information about our church, please visit day3church.org. Day 3 Church, experience a new day in your life. our life verses. I felt like that the verse that I needed to share was something that I had committed to my memory and to my heart. And I have to be quite honest with you. It's like I have a mental block with memory things. Uh, I, I read the Bible and I can tell you in the Bible it says thus and such. But when I go to pull that out to say in the Bible at this place, I have a mental block. But through scripture, uh, memory, songs, I do have a verse, and the verse that came to mind was Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. And when I hear this verse, it goes like this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on thine own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. Again, this is Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. And the reason that this verse is my life verse, I can tell you that in this verse, I have had many great victories. But in this verse, I've also had a lot of defeats. When I have trusted him with all my heart, he has guided my path, and I have been victorious. But I can tell you that when I have leaned on my own understanding and not acknowledged who he is and what he does for me, I have been defeated. So it is with him in this verse that I can have victory. Thank you. Mine is Matthew 17, 1 through 5. It says, After six days Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, his brother, and led them up on a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as light. And behold, there he appeared, appeared to them Moses and Elijah, talking with him. And Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good that we are here, and if you wish, I will make three tents. Here, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. And he was still speaking with, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And a voice came from the cloud and said, This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. That's when Mike has a big problem. It's hard for Mike to listen, especially to even her. I mean, I cut her off just like that. Uh, everybody says a small, still voice. In the back of your mind, talking to you. Mike gets to be a great big loud voice. You know, uh, it's hard for me to listen and stay and pay attention. But this is a commandment that God has made for us to listen to Jesus. Tell Mike at the first service, I was disappointed. I thought he would sing his also. And uh, he told me afterwards, I did not think that y'all would want that. 
the series we're doing that we've called Life Verses, the point of it is to hopefully impress upon our minds and hearts how important it is for us to allow the Bible to speak to us and to direct our paths. Uh, the, actually, what we'll see in a, in a verse today. And uh, what I ask is for all of our staff uh, and their spouses and our leadership team and their spouses to share with us a verse, and then I would preach the message uh, based upon the verses that they chose. Uh, Mike, by the way, is our uh, head deacon, the lead of our, our deacon team. Uh, so uh, that's why he and, and Della uh, were up here. Uh, most of you thought they just knew how to cook or something, and they were our professional cooks. That we have Because they do a great job whenever they cook food for any events uh, that we have. Uh, so anyway, let's look at their life verses. And we're going to go with Della's to begin with because it's more logical, I, I think, in the, in the way we're approaching things today. And as we look at, uh, at Della's, um, what I've called her verses is simply this, trust in the Lord, because that's what we're told in her passage of Scripture. Now, before I actually read her verses again, she read them for you a moment ago, I, I want to give you a little bit of background uh, to this chapter in Proverbs. It's considered a, a chapter that's written uh, primarily to exhort us to follow God's wisdom and not our own wisdom. Uh, in particular, the two verses that Della has chosen would be the key verses for this whole chapter. And, and well, they should be because they actually give us a promise that if we will trust in the Lord with all of our heart and, and acknowledge Him in all of our ways, that He will direct our paths. So that's a pretty good promise that God will direct our path. So I think it's just that those two verses ought to be considered by Bible scholars and theologians to be the key verses of, uh, of this chapter. Uh, the two verses that she has chosen tell us, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean to your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your path. I want you to notice with me three levels of trusting in God, three levels of trusting in God in, in her verses. Level number one is to trust Him with all your heart, to trust Him with all uh, your heart. Next slide, guys. Uh, it said there, trust in the Lord with all your heart. The word trust we've seen already in this series. A few weeks ago when Daryl and Sandra uh, were doing their verses, Sandra was over in Proverbs uh, or rather Psalms 46, uh, where it tells us that God's a refuge and, and strength, a very present help. Uh, and that word for refuge and strength is a similar word that's used here for trusting in God. Uh, we need to hide or flee to Him uh, for refuge. We need to trust in Him and be confident or sure. We need to flee for Him for protection. Uh, the word translated was also used to talk about someone uh, lying uh, helpless or face down. Uh, it, it was used in the, in the Hebrew to talk about a slave who was face down before the master, waiting for the master to give some direction as we ought to be before the Lord. It was also used to talk about a soldier uh, face down before uh, a conquering general uh, as though, look, I, I've been conquered by you, as we ought to be with the Lord also to be face down uh, before him and allow him to conquer uh, our, our lives for us. Uh, the trouble, I, I think, that comes into this for us, it, it tells us we're to trust in uh, the Lord. We're to, in, in to move toward the Lord by, by, by faith, by our belief, by, by our trust, position ourselves near the self-existent eternal God with all. And that literally means with all, any, every part of our heart. In other words, the very center of who we are, all that we are, 
We need to trust in the Lord. That's where the problem comes in. Mike said a moment ago, the problem for him is listening uh, to the Lord sometimes. I think a lot of us have a problem with trusting in the Lord with all of our heart. Uh, By that, I mean some people are pretty good to trust in, in the Lord as far as acknowledging, hey, I think there's a God. Uh, or some people are good to trust in the Lord when they're facing trouble in their life. And they will run to him then simply because they're in trouble and they're in difficult circumstances and they will, will trust then. But we also need to trust in him the rest of the time. We need to trust in him with all of our heart, all of the time, good times and, and bad times. A lot of times it's really easy for us to trust in him when it's convenient or when it's socially acceptable. By that, I mean something like today, Sunday morning. Uh, you're sitting in church, so today's kind of an easy time for you to say, yeah, I believe in the Lord, I'm going to trust in Him, because you know pretty much you're hanging around with other people that believe the same thing. So it's kind of a convenient time. But what about other times? What about at work? What about just outside of these doors? Not just on Sunday morning, Monday through Sunday. What about the rest of the time? trusted in him. What about if right now you were a Christian and you had been chased away from your home and you had been chased up to a mountaintop by people that are wanting to kill all the Christians, pretty much you have genocide, and there's this terrorist group by the name of ISIS that's wanting to do away with you. I wonder how many of us, if we were given that same choice to say you either convert to Islam or you die, I wonder how many of us would say, I'm still a Christian and I'm not going to convert to Islam. If you've been keeping up with the news, we've got a lot of reason to pray. There are Christians being persecuted on a mountaintop right now, about 40,000 Christians and some other uh, believers of other faiths that ISIS don't agree with because it's not their version of Islam, and their peaceful solution is, we'll cut your head off. They said this week that um, they are going to come to the White House, and they will hang their flag in the White House. I, I know I'm a pastor. Guys, I'm also a former law enforcement, and i still got just enough grit in me about things like that. If I had a direct path line to that guy that said that, I would tell him, you come and try it. <laughs> I think we've still got enough gun-bearing rednecks in America to take care of them without even our army being involved with it, uh, you know, probably. But, uh, and, and I qualify for one of those. I'm not trying to say anything negative about, about rednecks. But the reason I'm telling that is simply if we were confronted with that situation, would we trust in the Lord with all of our heart then? Last week in Angie's uh, passage of Scripture in Jeremiah, we were told to seek the Lord with all of our heart. Well, why seek Him if you're not going to trust Him? We, we need a full bore trust in Him whatever we're facing, whatever we're doing. Second level of trusting in the Lord is not just to trust Him in your heart, but to trust Him with all of your mind. Because the verse goes on and says, and do not lean to your own understanding. Don't support yourself based on your own intellect. Don't rest yourself. Don't found your life upon your own intellect. Don't let your own wisdom or that of culture be the foundation that you're building your life upon. It's kind of interesting, the, the word that's used here for on, because it was the same word that was translated in a moment ago. Trust in the Lord, and now we're told not to trust 
on or lean on our own understanding. So it's like there's a play on words here in the Hebrew as though the Lord is saying to us, you're supposed to trust in the Lord. You're not supposed to trust in the opposite of your own intellect or your own wisdom. Or what our culture is saying is correct. Don't lean upon, trust in your own knowledge, your own wisdom, your own understanding. Don't separate out mentally is what the root word means. Don't sit there and reason for yourself how you ought to live your life and make your decisions based upon what you think is right or what our culture says is right. I run into people from time to time that will say, well, I know the Bible says this, but I think this is what God wants me to do. (laughs) I'm sorry, but God's not changed his mind. If God says something, it's still his intent. It's still what he means. And we can't in some flippant way say, yeah, that's what the Bible says. That's what God says. But I honestly think in prayer, God told me it's okay for me to do what I'm wanting to do. Or we'll be so influenced by the culture that we live in that we're more concerned about what Hollywood says or what our friends might say around us or what a politician might say then we're concerned about what God says. And all of that stuff is leaning to your own wisdom or your own choices or being influenced by something other than than God's Word. It it tells us we're to trust in Him. We're not to lean to our own understanding. That second level of trust involves your your mind, what what you think. And, And this is a huge issue in the day and time in what we live because people all over, even in our churches, are basing their life choices upon what they think or what the world thinks or what the culture thinks instead of basing their choices upon what God thinks and what God says. Instance of that, not trying to beat or bash anyone, but just an instance of that today. We live in a culture that is right now full bore trying to say, hey, same-sex marriage is all right. Homosexuality is all right. There's not anything wrong with it. I'm not trying to bash anyone. I'm just trying to tell you the truth of God's Word. God's Word says the opposite. Amen? God's Word doesn't say that's okay. It's not just an alternate lifestyle. It's not an alternate choice. And when people try to make those types of choices, what they're doing is going with what culture says or what a politician might say or what Hollywood might say or what their sports hero might say or what their movie star might say or their rock star might say instead of basing it upon God's Word. We're to trust in the Lord with all of our heart. And we're not to lean to our own understanding. We're not to support ourselves with our own understanding. The verses prior to the verses that Della chose in Proverbs chapter 3 tell us this. My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and peace, they will add to you. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck, write them on the tablet of your heart, and you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. In other words, he's kindly saying this. I understand Solomon was writing it to his son, but at the same time, it's got a dual purpose. It's as though God is saying it to us. And God is saying it's not enough just to carry the Bible here. It's not enough to wear it like an ornament when you come to church on Sunday morning because that's the expected thing to do, that you bring a Bible with you as you come to church. Instead, he's saying it ought to be so important to you, it's like like you hang it around your neck, like you have written it upon your heart, 
That's how important the Bible ought to be to the way that you make your choices. And then on the other side of Della's verses, it says, be not wise in your own eyes. Once again, he said, don't lean your own understanding. Don't be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. I honestly think in this day and time, in our churches, in our culture, a healthy fear or respect of God would help us have the right kind of focus for us to understand that God is God and we're not. That he's all-powerful and we're not. And, and we need to recognize who he is. Wisdom does not begin in your own head. Wisdom does not begin by an education process just out in the world. The Bible tells us this, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All those who practice it have a good understanding. His praise endures forever. Later on in Proverbs chapter 9, it says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is, is insight. We need to recognize where real wisdom comes from. It's not from our own understanding. We're not to lean to our own understanding. And, and lest you start making excuses also and say, well, you know what, preacher, if I just knew what God's will was, then I would try and live like that. But I can't quite figure it all out. Well, James tells us this, and it kind of blows our excuses away. James says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask who? Oh, don't say Hollywood. Let him ask God. Who gives how? Generously. To all without reproach and it will be given him. So in other words, he tells us if we lack wisdom, we can ask God and he'll give it to us. It's not like God is saying, I've got something I want you to know. I want to communicate my, my will to you. I want you to lean to my wisdom and not your own understanding, but I'm going to hide it from you. You've got to figure out what it is. No, he, he tells us to ask. He tells us he'll provide it for us. But too many of us just get trapped into accepting whatever the conventional wisdom of our day is, our own intellect instead of understanding. We're not to lean to our own understanding. Instead, we're supposed to trust in God with all of our heart and with all of our, all of our mind. The third level of trusting in God is found in verse 6 in Della's verses. We need to trust the Lord in all our life, in all your life. In all your ways, the Bible says, acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. In all your ways literally means the whole, every bit of it, in all your ways. The word that's used here in the Hebrew for ways talks about a, a road or a pathway or a mode of life. It's used figuratively for the course of life, the way you're living your life, the way you tread about in your life, the way you walk in your life. It was even used to talk about stringing a bow. So just maybe the way you and I live our lives, if we will depend upon his wisdom and instead of leaning to our own understanding, if we'll acknowledge him in all of our ways, then just maybe God can kind of use us like a bow, you know, the way we walk and the way we live for him, like a, like a weapon, so to speak. Your life can be a, a weapon for him. We need to acknowledge him. We need to know God 
It said in all of your ways, acknowledge him. That, that means you acknowledge him more than just on Sunday morning. Then you forget about him the rest of the week. That means you acknowledge him more than just when you're trying to make some kind of spiritual decision. It means to acknowledge him in your work life. Acknowledge him in your marriage. Acknowledge him in your finances. Acknowledge him when you're out here in the world, in the marketplace, or wherever you find yourself. You're to bring him, invite him into that aspect of your life and acknowledge him in all of the ways that you live and all the ways that you, that you walk. In the New Testament, we're given more information about why we ought to walk in that way, why we ought to acknowledge Him in all of our ways. In in Ephesians chapter 5, in verse 8 and 10, the Bible says this, For at one time you were darkness. That's talking about before you came to Christ and you believed in Him. At one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Because that change has happened... There's an obligation, an expectation that God has upon our lives that we will walk as children of light. Because that's who you are. You're not the children of darkness anymore. We we ought to walk as children of light, for the fruit of the light is found in all that is good and right and true, and try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. You, You and I, once we come to Christ, there's a goal that we ought to have of walking like His children. Of walking in light instead of walking in in darkness. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 9 and 10, we're told that all of our ways ought to be like his walk. And so from the day we heard, Paul's writing, and and he said, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you might be filled. He's writing to believers. He said, since we've heard that you believe, I'm praying for you that this would happen. I'm asking that you be filled with all knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding so as to, watch this, walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. What does it mean when it says to walk worthy of God? To walk worthy of Jesus? To walk worthy of the Lord? What does that mean? I think primarily it means this. You and I need to remember what he did for us, what he paid for us, how he suffered on the cross, how he shed his blood that through his sacrifice on the cross, you and I can be forgiven of our sins and have everlasting life. If you're a Christian, you need to remember what he's done for you, and that ought to affect the way that you walk. That ought to affect the way that you live your life. It ought to be important enough to you what Jesus has done for you that you want to live for him is what he's telling us. Our lives, literally, the New Testament tells us in 2 Corinthians, ought to be like letters from God for other people to read. He said, and show that you are a letter, and you show that you are a letter from Christ delivered by us. Written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, and not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. Paul's writing to believers, and he's saying, listen, you need to go and live your life like a letter from God that other people can read. You and I need to acknowledge Him in all our ways. We need to trust the Lord in all areas of our lives, acknowledge Him in our ways, and He gives us this huge promise that He will make straight our paths or direct our paths. 
The word for make straight your paths, that whole phrase means to be straight or even, to be right, to be pleasant, to be prosperous, to be fit. It talks about a well-trodden road, a path, a race, even a, a caravan. The, the thing that the, the Lord is saying there through Solomon as he writes these words in Proverbs is that God has this pathway before you that he actually wants you to walk. And it's not like it's some hard-to-discover pathway out in a jungle. Instead, it's as huge as if a caravan has passed through. He's got this way that he wants you to walk. You need to trust him with all your heart. You need to trust him with all your mind. You need to acknowledge him in all of your ways. And he's got this straight, level, well-worn path that the heroes of the saints before, that great cloud of witnesses in Hebrews, has already blazed before us. That we need to follow ourselves. To trust in Him in that way, you might could just say it, it's like total commitment. It's found in Romans chapter 12. The Bible says in Romans 12, next, next slide. I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God. Simply meaning, based upon everything that God has done for you, His mercies in sending Jesus to die for your sins. Everything that He had written about previously in the book of Romans before chapter 12. He said, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable, which is your spiritual worship. Don't be conformed to this world. Don't base your decisions, your lifestyle, upon the conventional wisdom of this world. Don't rest or lean on your own wisdom that we see here in Proverbs. Romans puts it like that. Don't be conformed to this world, but instead be transformed by the renewing of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. He has a, a will, a purpose for our lives that we can find out about in this book that we call the Bible. In the first service, I, I joked around, so I guess I will a little bit here. The next thing I'm going to say, if you don't like it, you can blame Della for it. Uh, she probably maybe already gone because they were here through the whole service, so you can, you'll have to call her up and blame her for it. I'm sorry. But uh, as I looked at Proverbs chapter 3, you know what I find in verse 9? I find that part of that walk, part of our faithfulness, also involves our giving. Because the Bible says, honor the Lord with your wealth and the first fruits of your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. The message today, the intent of the message today is not given, but it's right there following the verses that she's chosen about how we ought to trust in the Lord with all of our heart. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart also means you trust him enough with your finances, with your, with your money to give to him and quit trying to think you can manage it better than he can. To show that your faith is in Him instead of in your own wisdom or your own ability to manage your finances. And while that's not the intent of this message, it's right here in this chapter. And to be honest with you guys, God is calling us to do so much more that we can do as a church if you guys would just give more. I'm, I, that's just plain and, and simple. That there's so much more that we could do. Thank God for a mission trip that happened, and we didn't accomplish all of that because Brad and Brandon, UTH Ministries, did other things, but thank God we could be part of that. Thank God that they went down there and served. They were able to build two houses while they were down there, not just one. 
because God worked it out where that could happen. They're back safe with us. Guys, we're glad you're back safe with us. And they'll be sharing with you in September, on September the 14th, while I'm in the prison, they'll be sharing with you about that. But you see, we could do so much more things like that if we just had it to do it with. So part of us being faithful, part of us being obedient, part of us trusting the Lord also involves our finances. Now let me kind of close off her verses by saying this. Just in case everything I've said so far doesn't gravitate toward you, and you're still thinking in your own mind, well, it's my life. I want to make the choices I want to make. I want to trust in my own intellect. I want to lean upon my own understanding. I think it's okay to lean upon what Hollywood says or what a politician might say or what a sports hero or a rock star might say. I think it's all right to base my life upon those things. Lest you think that, I want you to see how Proverbs chapter 3 closes out. The Lord, by wisdom, founded the earth. By understanding, he established the heavens. By his knowledge, the deeps broke, break open. The clouds drop down the dew. And then he kind of goes on and he says, my son, don't forget all these things because you need these things to give you security so your foot won't stumble, so you can lay down at night and sleep with peace and everything like that. But the thing I want you to get is the first part of it that I highlighted. God, by his own wisdom, founded the earth. Anybody here ever do that? No? No, no one here ever? You never created a world or a universe just by thinking it into existence or speaking into existence? He established the heavens, made the oceans, controls the oceans. The clouds drop down the dew because he planned it like that. Do you know anyone else that's ever done that? Any rock star ever do that? Any politician ever do that? Hollywood ever do that? Except by their special effects? I'm simply suggesting that if you're going to build your life upon something, it doesn't need to be your own intellect, and it doesn't need to be the conventional wisdom of this day and time. We're to trust in the Lord with all of our heart. We're to trust in Him with all of our mind. We're not to lean to our own understanding. Instead, we're to acknowledge Him in all of our ways, all of our life, not just part of it, and He'll direct our past. Does that make sense? And it'll be the right path, not the wrong path. Mike's passage of Scripture is found in Matthew in the New Testament. And as I've said several times in this series, it's been amazing to me how the two people that came up to share, the husband and the wife, how much their Scriptures kind of were interwoven together. And how much logic I've seen from what One shared and what the other shared. And today's no exception at all. Mike's passage of Scripture is found in Matthew chapter 17, verse 1 through 5. Next slide. And it tells us that we're to listen to the Lord. Dallas' passage of Scripture said, trust in the Lord. Mike's passage of Scripture says, listen to the Lord. And those two things, as far as I'm concerned, are very, very logical for us to do. 
If you're really going to fully trust in the Lord, guess what you have to do? Listen to Him. And as you are trusting in Him, you also need to continue to listen to Him because He will give you guidance for your life. The story is the story of Jesus on top of the Mount of Transfiguration, we call it. And the Bible says after six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, his brother, and led them up to a high mountain by themselves. Some people wonder, why in the world did Jesus take those three and leave the others behind? Well, they were kind of called the inner circle. And, but some people might think, well, they must have been a lot more spiritual than the others, so that's why Jesus took them up. I've got another scenario that might be possible. They might have been so much troublemakers that Jesus said, I better keep them within close view. Because Peter was all the time sticking his foot in his mouth. James and John were the sons of thunder, willing to call down fire from heaven to kill people. So just maybe that's why he took them up. But whyever he took them up, they're up there on the mountain with Jesus. And while they're there, he was transfigured before them. And his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as light. And behold, there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with him. And Peter, here's Peter sticking his foot in his mouth kindly again. And Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it's good that we're here. If you wish, I will make three tents here, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. He was still speaking when, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to Him. As you look at Della's passage of Scripture, it's told us there we're to acknowledge the Lord in all of our ways. When we get to Mike's passage of Scripture, we find Peter... Yes, he's acknowledging the Lord Jesus, but you know what else he does? He's also acknowledging the other two that are there, Moses and Elijah, on the same level, wanting to do the exact same thing for them that he was doing for Jesus. And God would have none of that. There can't be any competing factors with Jesus. Jesus is number one. Do you understand that? Was that a remarkable sight up on the mountain? Hey, there's Jesus, there's Moses, who, by the way, God buried, didn't go into the promised land. There's Elijah, who, by the way, went up in a chariot. And they're there. That would have been a remarkable sight. But the thing about it is this. The most remarkable sight was Jesus. No competing factors, no competing viewpoints. We're to acknowledge the Lord in all of our ways. And and, and Peter kind of messes up here as he gets all caught up in the moment and he wants to acknowledge Moses and, and Elijah at the same level. It's like there's this huge wow factor. The, the word behold there appeared. It, it, it means to gaze with wide open eyes at something remarkable. The remarkable thing was Jesus, but it was like Peter got all caught up in it and thought, whoa, look at that, you know? And he got caught up with who Moses and Elijah was. But God the Father wouldn't have any of that. And he spoke as Peter was still speaking. He said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. You need to listen to him. 
Della's verse also said to trust in the Lord. Mike's verse says to listen to him, as I said a moment ago. We're to give audience to the Lord. We're to listen to him. We're to understand him. If you trust in the Lord, along with that comes an obligation to listen to him. If you trust in Jesus as your Savior, that doesn't mean you're okay, you're going to heaven, now you can live your life however you want to until the day you die, and then you get to jump over the gates of heaven and say, here I am. No, with you trusting Christ as your Savior, there comes an expectation from God, from Jesus who died for you, from the Scriptures because they teach this, for you to listen to the Lord and live your life for Him. So we're to give an audience to Christ. Someone might ask, why? Why then? Why, why does God tell us to listen to Jesus? Why should I listen to Jesus? Why shouldn't I listen to my own intellect? Why shouldn't I listen to culture? Why shouldn't I listen to Hollywood? Why shouldn't I let those things direct my life? Why is Jesus the one I ought to listen to? Let me answer that for you. First of all, you need to listen to Jesus because of who he is. Because of simply who he is. There's two things that happen on the Mount of Transfiguration that gives us pretty good evidence who Jesus is. The first one is the transfiguration of Christ. Proves his deity. It gives us a picture of who he is. He was transfigured before them, and his face was shining like the sun, and his clothes became white as light. We get our, our word metamorphosis. From this same word. It's a, it's a change on the outside that happens from within. What happened that day up on the Mount of Transfiguration is Jesus, God in the flesh, the second part of the triune God, had been veiling his glory because he's here on the earth to die for sin. He didn't come to show up showing all of his glory and who he was and have people just bow down all of a sudden. He's here to die for our sins. But on this Mount of Transfiguration, Jesus kind of pulls that veil back. And he lets them see him as he really is. He, he lets them see himself, his own divine self, in all of his glory as he's there upon the mountain. Will you put yourself in their shoes for a minute, the shoes of Peter, James, and John? Man, wouldn't that have been something to have literally seen Jesus there in all of his glory? They've got abundant evidence already by the miracles after miracles after miracles they had seen. And now on top of all that evidence, Jesus is just there in all of his glory and have this additional evidence that that's who he is. That he is in fact God's divine son. Let me give you a side message just for a moment because this is not what the main message is, but we're right here is something that I really feel like I need to share with you. It's kind of a side message just for a moment. Did you notice in this story there are no introductions that are made? Nowhere in the text does it say Jesus came over to James and John and Peter and said, let me introduce to you Moses. Let me introduce to you Elijah. It doesn't happen. Somehow, they knew who they were. And I think the implication for us is this. The Bible says we'll be known as we're known. And I think somehow when I see 
The Apostle Paul, the first time, no one's going to have to say, hey, this is the Apostle Paul. I think I'll just know. Or this is Moses, or this is Abraham, or, or this is Elijah. I, I, I think I'll just know. Somehow I'll just know, because they just knew. They didn't have any photographs back then of Moses and Elijah. Oh, we've seen their image before. We saw them on video. No, it's just they're there, and they know who they are. You know Christ is your Savior. One day when you get to heaven, you'll know each and every one of them, I think, just as soon as you see them. And the most important thing is you'll know Jesus. No one will have to say, hey, here's Jesus. Want to meet him? You'll know who he is when you see him. Isn't that an amazing thing? To, to think about heaven being on that kind of level. Luke tells us this about Moses and Elijah. It tells us in Luke's gospel that they were also up there glowing in a glorified state. It said, and behold, two men were talking with him, Moses and Elijah, who appeared in glory. And spoke of his departure, which he's about to accomplish at Jerusalem. I want you to get some implications from what Luke tells us. Here's implication number one. We who right now are Christians, one day will be glorified too. The Bible teaches that. But Moses is there, he's glorified. Elijah's there, he's glorified. They were human beings just like us who had faith in God. One day in heaven, you'll be glorified. Moses died and Elijah was transferred in heaven, but they're both glorified. They're both alive and they're both moving. God buried Moses. Elijah rode up in a chariot, but they're both alive and they're both moving. Hey, when you get to heaven, you're going to be alive, you're going to be moving. There's no ceasing of activity. You're not going to float around on a cloud. I need to go ahead and just say what I was thinking. I guess you're not going to float around on a flipping cloud (laughs) playing a harp. If that's all heaven is, it doesn't have that much of attraction for me. I read about streets of gold. I read about Jesus and Him glorified. I read about all eternity with Him, worshiping Him. Forever and ever and ever. Not some spirit or angel riding around on a cloud. Third implication I want you to get is this. The crucifixion of Jesus did not just happen. It was a planned accomplishment. Moses is there, Elijah's there, and Jesus is there, and they're talking on the front end of his crucifixion about what is going to take place in Jerusalem. Jesus was not crucified because the religious crowd in Jerusalem decided they wanted it to happen. Jesus was not crucified because the Roman Empire came up with that as a means of execution. Jesus was crucified because it was a pre-planned event, the greatest event of all history, that Jesus would die on the cross for our sins and take his life back up. Pre-planned, and they're there talking about what is about to happen. It's interesting to me as they discuss what Jesus is about to do. That Jesus is in a glorified state, Moses is in a glorified state, Elijah is in a glorified state, because by all of that, it implies to me that what they're talking about is the most glorious thing that will ever happen. A lot of times people say, well, if you want to see Jesus glorified, look on the Mount of Transfiguration, or look over in Revelation if you want to see him glorified. 
I, I beg to differ on that a little bit because I don't know that Jesus was ever more in his glory than when he was obedient to the Father, went to the cross, shed his blood for our sins, said it is finished, was put in a tomb, and took his life back up. That's a glorious Jesus right there. Whether shining or not, that's Jesus in his glory. You ought to listen to Jesus because of who he is, because of the transfiguration of Christ. That proves his deity, but also because of the testimony of God the Father. God the Father showed up, Peter saying, hey, let's build this tabernacle for Jesus. Let's build one just like it for Moses. Let's build one just like it for Elijah. God stops him in mid-sentence. And he says, this is my beloved son. The word is literally means I exist. And it's used only emphatically in the Greek. We talked about this last week because it was also in last week's scripture. But when Moses asked God, who do I tell the people sent me? And God said, I am that I am. And then all through the New Testament, especially in the Gospel of John, there are many I am statements that Jesus makes. And as Jesus made all those I am statements, each one was a claim to deity. Don't miss that. He wasn't just saying, well, I'm, yeah, I'm bread of life, I'm water. Each time he said I am, he was saying that I am that I am. I'm, I'm God in the flesh. And here, God the Father says this is... He exists. He's of me. He's from me. He is of me. This is my beloved son. I love him. You need to love him. You need to listen to him. So not just the transfiguration, but also the the testimony that God gives about Jesus, his son, shows us why we ought to listen to him. Because he is God in the flesh. Peter never forgot this. Hey, I don't blame him. Would you forget it? Would you? Listen, if you're on the Mount of Transfiguration, you see Jesus glorified. By the way, you saw Moses. By the way, you also saw Elijah. And all of a sudden, God opened heaven and he started talking to you. And he said, hey, this is the one you need to pay attention to. This is my beloved son. Listen to him. Would you ever forget that? I don't think I would. Peter didn't either. Because years later, Peter wrote these words. For we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. But we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. They are on the Mount of Transfiguration. For when he received honor and glory from God the Father and the voice was born to him by the majestic glory. This is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. We ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven, for we were with him on the holy mountain. Peter saw it all and he heard it all and he never ever forgot that God the Father himself had given a testimony. This is he. This is who you pay attention to. This is who you listen to. This is my son. We ought to listen to him because of who he is. You ought to also listen to Jesus because of what he does. Because of what he does. With whom I am well pleased. The little phrase in or with, depending on your translation, it's in a tense in the Greek that means in a fixed position. 
or a settled position of rest. In other words, it's a final thing once and for all. God the Father speaks and He says, Hey, my son here, I'm well pleased with him. Fixed, settled in my mind for all eternity. I'm completely, totally pleased with my son. Moses on the Mount of Transfiguration represented the law. He was the law giver, the one that God gave the law to. Elijah, on the other hand, was a prophet. Elijah represented the prophets. The Bible tells us that Jesus completely fulfilled all the law and all the prophets. There's not one thing that the law said that Jesus did not or will not fulfill. There's not one thing that the prophets say that Jesus has not already or will ultimately totally fulfill. So on that mount that day, you've got the law and the prophets and Jesus there, the one that totally fulfills them all. Now in layman's terms, let me tell you what that means. That means that there's never ever a time that Jesus ever said one single word that was outside the Father's will. Can you say that? Remember, we're talking about who we ought to listen to? Can your rock star say that? Can your movie star say that? Can your sport hero say that? Can your politician say that? They've never ever even said one word out of the Father's will. Jesus never ever did one thing, made one step, any action whatsoever that was outside of the Father's will. All of it completely perfect. Jesus never, ever even had a thought that would have been outside the Father's will. I wish I could win that battle, you, huh? So got this stinking flesh. Later on, John, who also was on the Mount of Transfiguration, said this. We beheld his glory, the glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. All I'm simply trying to tell you is that we need to trust in the Lord with all of our heart and we need to listen to him. Why should you listen to him? Because Jesus perfectly, completely, totally fulfilled the Father's will. They saw him in his glory. The only begotten of the Father. He was full of grace and full of truth. Is there anyone else that qualifies for that? Anyone in Hollywood? Anyone on your sports team? You yourself leaning on your own understanding? Anybody that qualifies for that? Anybody want to raise their hand and say, hey, I qualify? If not, then I guess that means that you and I better listen to Jesus, right? Let's pray. Father, forgive us when we trust in ourselves. Forgive us when we lean upon our own understanding or we lean upon the conventional wisdom of our culture.
rather than leaning upon your truth and trusting in you. Forgive us when we compartmentalize our lives and we fail to acknowledge you in all of our ways and we just want to give you part of our life or part of our Sunday or part of our talents or part of whatever it might be. Father, forgive us when we fail to acknowledge you in all of our ways. And Father, we come before you today admitting we need you to direct our paths, to, to make our steps straight. Forgive us when we allow things to compete with Jesus. Help us to understand we need to listen to Him. Father, if there's anyone here today that's never trusted in the Lord the first time, I pray right now you give them the faith they need. Help them to see who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. Dying on the cross for their sins. Taking his life back up to prove there's hope. And Father, if there are believers here who are failing to listen or sidetracked in their life, they're off the path you'd have them to be on. They're not acknowledging you in all their ways. Father, help us to, to get back to the path that you want us to be on. To listen to you. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The verse right after Mike's passage of Scripture says this. Turn to the passage of Matthew, please, the verse of Matthew. When the disciples heard this, they heard the Lord speak, This is my beloved Son, whom I'm well pleased. They fell on their faces, they were terrified. They just looked down. When they looked down, Moses and Elijah were still there. They fall on their faces, scared to death. Jesus came over and touched them, saying, Rise and have no fear. And when they lifted up their eyes, notice this. They saw no one but Jesus only. Not Moses, not Elijah, just Jesus. The implication of that is, that's who you and I need to see. That's who you and I need to focus on. Is Jesus only. And I'm not saying it's going to be easy. Or following Jesus is a cakewalk. You know what happens on the other side of this? The rest of the story? <laughs> they go down the mountain and the rest of the disciples are down there with a demon-possessed guy trying to help him out. And they don't know what to do and can't deal with him. So you may come down off the mountaintop with Jesus to live in a real world where it's tough. And face challenges. And that's all the more reason why you need to trust in Him. Listen to Him. I invite you to stand. God speaks to you in any way you need to come today. We invite you to come. Thanks for listening to this sermon audio production from Day 3 Church. We pray that it has ministered to you. For more information about our location, service times, or other sermon podcasts, please visit us online at day3church.org. Day 3 Church. Experience a new day in your life.